Welcome back. Here's where you left off. Spoilers ahead for Expeditionary Force books 1 to 15. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Expedition Force book 1 to 15. This is not a book report or a book review. We're talking about the universe here. We're talking about the full universe of book 1 to book 15. The reason why is this. There's two reasons. One is book 16 is coming out. We're going to be starting reviewing that next week, right? And the second one is this podcast literally started because of this book series. I introduced Derek this book series when I was in book three. I told him, hey, Derek, I need you to read this book and let me know what you think. Because I know you like sci-fi and military sci-fi, so you, I think you'll like this one. And history's been made. We both love the series. We started this podcast because we just want to talk about books. Books that we like and we want to dissect it. Dissect in a way that we want to talk about the storyline, how it's been written, what we expect, what we're hoping, all the wish lists that we want to see coming up. But the Expeditioning Force series by Greg Allison is the first books that we, we read that we actually sit down in a, in a restaurant or in a diner and just talk about it. And this is the world and this is what we want to talk about. It's going to be so much fun because this is the world that we totally enjoy. Derek, do you agree? <laughs> it is. It's funny because when you first introduced me to the book um, and I read the first book, the first chapter of the first book, I read it and I said, this is terrible. This is awful <laughs> because he he did a year time jump after the first chapter. And I said, oh, my God, writers that use time jumps are just lazy. They're just not, you know, and all you said to me was just, just keep on reading, keep on reading. And so. <laughs> I took your advice and kept on reading. And I agree. It turned out to be an amazing universe that's built on something that Craig seemingly had thought out before he wrote the book. He intended this as a series of books and he intended it as an expanding universe. And what we love about it is that it builds on each other. Each book builds on the last one and the universe gets expand as we move from book to book to book. And as we include more races, more characters, the original group of people that were involved with the Merry Band of Pirates become characters that we are very invested in. And in a lot of times, it's hard for writers sometimes to get people invested in their characters and to keep them invested over multiple books. And I think you and I would agree that when things happen to these characters, you and I are are really invested, aren't we, Leonard? Yeah, it, it's... Um, the character itself is very... They're simple, but yet very memorable. For example, let's talk about the main character, Joe Bishop. He started as a tech sergeant, as a tech specialist. He was a specialist in the, in the army. He ranked up everything from during a wartime um, uh, promotions to a full, a full blown proper promotion, right? Um, and you have other characters like, like Gunnery Sergeant Adams. You have the side. The side is one of my favorite characters out there because he's just very simple yet very profound character that that helped grew the storyline right and uh we're talking about uh the, the other main character skippy the magnificent by the way named after me by the way the magnificent part uh, uh he's uh he, this character is an ai asshole that's shaped like a beer can and the relationship that he had with joe bishop the other main character became this catalyst of like love-hate relationship but at the end of the day they are considered buddies they are buddies together they're best friends all that good stuff but at the same time you have this other character that gets introduced in book one book three book four book five constantly being upgraded uh 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 and, and uh like been written in they're just that, added in yeah just added and, and in, that, that in yeah exactly but i mean you the other brilliance of the character of joe is that he's simple He's not stupid, but he's not a bookworm. He's not intelligent. In a lot of ways, he's not even really that disciplined. And the people around him, 
of the Mary Band of private private <laughs> privates. Yes, they're all Mary yeah, Band of privates. Yes. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, are very uh, all professionals. They are professional soldiers. They act in professional ways. They take orders. They've been in it. Now, where Joe just joined to sort of pay off college, he, he didn't really join the military as a career. And as he moves through and he's promoted to colonel as sort of a publicity stunt, these professional soldiers respect the fact that he's a colonel because of what he does. Because even though they look at him and say, you know, He's not really that smart. He's not really that professional. But in the end, he gets the job done. He thinks up things that even I, as the professional soldier, didn't think to do. And then we have his other half, which is Skippy, who has the technical and the intelligence to implement that idea. And it's sort of a pairing that's made to work. And these people often go into situations believing it's hopeless and between the two of them they figure out how to resolve the situation and you and I have beaten our heads against the wall several times where and this is a you know great shout out to Craig Allenson for saying that when he presents a situation in the book and you and I are going come on we're smart we can figure this out how will we get around <laughs> yes. this we, we, we know what we're doing we're, we're smart guys we, we just don't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like, Damn it, that was so simple. Like, why didn't I think of that? So he even gets us as the readers to engage in the book in that way and say, I w- why didn't I figure it So you feel like some of the other characters in the book that you're trying to figure it out before he presents the solution to you. Exactly. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things that um, you're right. Joe is not. He's a smart guy. Like, let's just get this thing straight here. He's a smart guy. He knows how to troubleshoot. He knows how, what's supposed to get done. He he's a street smart kind of guy. He's he can put him in a situation. He'll adapt pretty easily. Like you said, he's not a career soldier, right? He's not a career soldier. There's people around him are career soldiers. They know what to, they ranked up properly. They do a lot of good things. They did an amazing things in their career. But Joe was just there as a foot soldier, right? He'd been trusting this 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 position in, in in a way that it was not even his fault. He didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for any of this. It just got presented to him, deal with it, so he has to go deal with it. Actually, I, there was a very fine. There was a uh, there's several times in the book that uh, uh, not the book, but in the series itself, saying that uh, he he keeps saying that I don't know what I'm doing. I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this out at the same time as you're trying to figure this out. He He's very honest. The, the Joe character is very honest of who he is. In the same time, he is not ashamed to tell people, I don't know. That's why you're here. That's why I rely on your expertise. You're you're the professional. You're the, yeah. you, you should know the answer, not me. Ex- exactly. When... when, when you know, these, like, for example, when he takes over the first frigate, people look at him and go, you want us to do what? To take over an entire frigate? And so they go and they take it over and they get sort of, he gets some cred. He gets a little confidence. And then they go and they take over a Theranon carrier, which is even more advanced. And they do this, you know, very quickly succession. And they start to believe the fact that he can do these things even though they don't believe. So what he's giving them out all the time is hope. And as the characters get introduced, the newer characters that get introduced are skeptical of Joe. Yeah. But those that have been with him from the beginning are like, hey, man, he might magic. not look like much, but just – just give him a chance, you know. Oh, and by the way, Skippy's an asshole. Yeah, just just deal with it. Yeah, just- it, it, it's actually the best way to describe it is um- – they respect the uh, respect the rank, not the man. But in this case, they respect the man before the rank, right? The reason why I said that is like you can actually see in the progression that it doesn't matter how much he he uh, he gets promoted, right? At the end of the day, everything always goes back. He knows what he's doing. Doesn't matter he does what his called- rank is. He everyone goes back to him, and say, "Hey, I need your help." 
He does right. what's called, you know, a, a glory holding up. Like basically all the, everybody there is special forces or or some colonel who's had time and grade. He looks at himself as something that's less than them, that shouldn't be leading them, that shouldn't be in that position of power. But it, it's that old adage of those that are, you know, worthy of leading have power thrust upon them mm-hmm. rather than being given power. Right. Yeah. And that's Joe in a nutshell. And Skippy is, even though he has an agreement with them to help them because he has his own agenda, he starts to really like these barrel of monkeys that he has. And he really looks down on humanity, but he finds them very curious and very interesting and and very funny because he doesn't expect anything they do to work out because they're just a primitive bunch of barrel monkeys and what can they do? But they capture ships, they go back to earth and he starts to, they start, he starts to care for them even during the series of the books. And this is where Skippy starts to grow because as he starts to care about the characters, the people on the ship, he learns more about himself and he pushes himself to grow and to be more than this basic AI that he was in the first book where we met him. Yeah, it's uh, that's actually a very good uh, thing to a great thing to say actually. His relationship with 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 Joe, uh, Skippy's relationship with Joe, you saw it grow, like grow from from book 1 to book 15. You see the you see how it switches from uh, a business arrangement into a proper friendship. In the same time, too, with that saying, Skippy's relationship with the other characters were amazing. It was, it was the the whole series was based on a first person of first person storytelling through Joe's eyes, Joe Bishop's eyes. But at the same time, side stories were were relationship between the side and Skippy. Adam Skippy, uh, Jerome's and Skippy, uh, you name it. Everyone's uh, character was was uh, doesn't matter how big or small the characters were. There's always a, uh, like a couple of paragraph regarding their relationship with Skippy. There's one com- com- commonality here with all of them is always been Skippy, right? That's a matter if you are just a guy that's cooking food or uh, or a maintenance guy, your relationship is through Skippy in turn into Bishop, right? Because Bishop is literally the main guy. He's running the ship. But there's always a, a straight line through through Skippy if there's any issues. And and I think that's always that's a good sign that that this character is is well versed, right? And on top of that too, yeah uh, the the whole the, on top of that this whole thing people do die the characters do die right and the biggest thing that that really affected me while I was reading this is when the side passed away right yeah you and i discussed this a fair bit yeah and uh we talked about that it was several books in when she died and craig made it into a moment yes and i yes. i'll liken it back to other and i'm not gonna shout out any other sci-fi writers out there but there are other sci-fi writers that the, the style in which they write is they'll make a statement like, oh, I sent 100,000 ships out and there's like two main characters and everybody else dies but the two main characters. Mm-hmm. But And their idea of, of getting you to engage and value the loss is the number. Oh, mm-hmm. we lost 100,000 ships or something like that. But every time the writer goes there, they write the exact same thing. Oh, I got a big fleet or oh... There's an entire army of guys, but just the last two people survive. And so they're just killing off everybody. But that's not the way it works here. Uh, the Merry Band of Pirate works on subter- uh, subterfuge and getting around. And the stakes are always world ending. Yeah. And when we lose somebody, mm-hmm. it, it, it matters. It, it, and even in that moment, when we lose Desai... Joe blames himself because he looks at it as an arrogant moment. Yes, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of the reason why this is a very like you and I had a really depth discussion about this is um, the way that she the leading into her passing 
and the and the and the end of the and and the and the 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 the, the aftermath of that because uh, to make a long story short joe asks the side hey i need you to become my first officer you're my xo literally that's it you i want you to come back as my xo because she was she decided to leave the mary band's pirates start a family right so she's like okay one more mission then i'm out that was that was the deal with the that she made with Joe. Remember, the side was the big. It was literally the the is the f, uh, number four or no number three or number no, sorry number three or number four person that helped Joe steal. Like she well, she was pretty high up in the, the uh, in the ranking. Yeah, being of the number pounds, of right? she was yeah. there from the very beginning. Yeah. So when yeah. we lose her, it well, matters. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, there's there's another example. There's been a couple times in the books where. He writes that we're about to lose um, uh, Adams, mm-hmm. and that's also a huge deal in yeah. the book. And, and we do lose other people. Yeah, Jerome passed away too. Jerome passes yeah. away. Yeah. Smythe gets passed away. Yeah, and you know, so there are, but he he does not kill off characters very often. No, no. The, I, I mean, I mean, personally, I I was not a big fan of him killing off Smythe the way he did. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. Just. It seemed like it might have been a little more gimmicky than Desai's mm-hmm. piece. Yeah, I'm sure he must have had a reason, but it, it didn't feel as fulfilled as, as Desai's death. There, exactly, really. exactly. Well, I just want to go back to that one as well too. That that the reason why that we were fixating with Desai's death is because it one thing that actually uh, made that scenes made that side of the storyline very pinnacle is my wife ending up reading the same uh, read the book too. Right, and when when she read that uh, when she read that scene, she literally closed the book, came up to me, and started tearing up. That's how significant this character is. This character is so significant that that it was it was hard. It was hard to read, right? But when when Joe had to go back to Earth and explain it to the size parents and his and his and her fian- uh, fiance as well too that why how she died. Right, and the good thing about this whole series is because they lost characters, but they ended up playing homage to those characters as well. Further, further along, like the, a ship was named after her, for example, those kind of things. Right? There's always been yeah. a tie back to the older, got older characters that passed away or or helped them. It's always been reflect back to the future, so that was really nice, right? And and like what like what you said, there's always been this this some writers have a tendency to like, hey, I'm gonna send troops, and there's only two people shows back. Uh, uh, out of hundred thousand, two people came back. There's no, there's no relationship there. There's no, there's no emotional attachment to it, right? This one does, right? So, kudos well, to that the, one. Kudos to that one. <laughs> in the book, I mean, he does kill off characters as they're taking ships and so forth, and. As they die, Joe recognizes that mm-hmm. any 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 person they lose is his fault, and so he he uh, Craig connects it back to Joe losing losing soldiers. Mm-hmm. But in other books that I've read, and I've read a lot over the last few years, uh, these kind of sci-fi books, I've never found a writer who's engaged in that way that still makes you value the character uh, in a similar fashion. There's been some excellent. Uh, sci-fi books and um, we're not going to go over them here but there'll be some other ones that i could compare to that i would say are of the same quality where the main character is the central point of the story arc and i enjoy that but uh like i said before when you can integrate joe's or Craig's writing of the military situations and the realism in the book. In other words, it's in our time frame. The physics are generally the same as physics and reality. Obviously, it's futuristic, but still, physics are physics. Wormholes, yeah. jumps, you know, stuff like that. All of that, even his space battles, are based in yeah. realistic space battling, and so that brings a reality to it that isn't transporters you know <laughs> let's let's talk about the space battles i think we had this discussion several times as well too regarding space battles that that they they the book itself refers back to physics simple physics simple grade one physics the grade one is kind of like low but high school physics like literally grade nine high school physics it was like speed of light if something falls how long is it going to take 
how 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 fast an object goes fall from a gravity well. It's like the weight times uh, square uh, uh, times it by two square, right? So those kind of things. It's it's a it's very typical physics style explanation during this fight scene. So what 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 the book is actually telling us that if a ship travels a certain speed, a speed of light, if something happened in the distance, it will measure by speed of light. If it happens ten minutes ago, do we ago, really want to explain this? We're, we're not going to really go. That, we're not going to go that explain. But we're <laughs> just going to explain the whole general explain. aspect of the fight scenes here, the, the battle scenes here. The 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 whole concept was was in a way that it's not what your typical see fight uh, uh like ba- uh, space battles from like um, Star Trek or Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or anything like that. This is based on physics. So if you ever watched or read The Expanse. The battle scenes there—it's somewhat similar. It's it's super similar. You still you just still have to deal with uh, speed of light communication, speed of light, um, sorry, speed of light when you see something. Sensors the same way, acts the same way too. So it's it's kind of funny though because when they were in the middle of their fight, the battle scenes, right? They 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 literally had to calculate where they want where they're gonna shoot it based on the future. They have to they literally had to use physics to predict the future. Right. And I think I think this is why I mean I, I'm trying really hard not to drop other series, but the Expanse writing was excellent in this way. Even when they transferred that into the TV series to show a very realistic uh, expression of how space battles would be. As another example, you know, uh, Craig uses relativistic weapons in the book series, uh, being darts that can crash into planets. And I mean, hey, if you move something fast enough. I don't care how good your shields are. It's going to take you out. You know, I mean, that that kind of idea of physics, no matter how powerful you are, you know, if you employ enough physics into it, you're going to get a result out of it. And so shields are great, but <laughs> nothing's going to stop or ultimately start going, you know, 10% in a light speed or something like that. You know what I mean? That kind of idea behind how he writes that into it. And I appreciate that. I appreciated the fact that he took the time to, to research that or to try to make that accurate in the universe he created rather than using a transporter. And I keep on harping on transporters because it's just a, a very interestingly made up piece of technology that was used as a plot device to get around all kinds of problems that Craig decided, you know what, I'm not going to get around. I'm just going to deal with it, you know? Plus it's copyrighted, so you can't really use it. <laughs> but well, uh... I don't mean transported. I just mean using a, a plot point of just making something up so you don't have to deal with writing oh, it see, out or considering what it is also using the military situations that he gets into uh you and i joked about how we just we just try to figure out how he how what he's going to get into and i think that takes a lot of imagination and time to think about those scenarios and think about what is the result and it doesn't make it boring i was never bored with it sometimes craig will move on and he'll he'll kind of go very slowly through that process but if you enjoy that process then it's engaging maybe somebody reading it might not find it engaging if they don't like the process but he also cuts that up with comedy so it allows you to uh, it allows him time to do character development during, I'll say, the slower points of his books. Okay, uh, what do you think about the character development in, in the major characters only? We're talking about like uh, the major, main, uh, main characters and some of the supporting characters. What do you think about the uh, the, the development and their and their uh, their origin story? You think it's significant enough to make that relationship of say, yeah, I care about this person, or is it like a? Um, it felt like it was just a rush feel to it. No, no, I mean, he spends books developing certain characters. As an example, let's take Smythe for an example. Smythe joins the ship uh, during Spec Ops, I think it is, second book. And Smythe, you know, takes the attitude of, I'm serving under this sergeant who was just promoted to colonel. And really, in the beginning, Smythe has very large concerns about both the beer can and Bishop, but he very quickly as a professional learns to trust them. And as he grows through the books, he becomes Joe's most stark advocate on earth where he will sit down and he's like, I am special forces SAS. I am a professional. And I am telling you that this guy 
is the guy we need to be in command. I'm telling you that what he comes up with, I didn't think of and nobody else did. I'm telling you that what the beer can does works, even if you don't like the way they did it and the decisions they made, it still works. And so as Smythe goes through, you see him grow. And there's a great scene in one of the further books on where he's standing with a group of people, other all kinds of other special forces. And they're challenging him as I'm the best. I'm special force. And he goes, you're nothing. And he points to his shirt and goes, see this little dinosaur here? I got this from climbing through a sewer on a planet that we invaded <laughs> without being detected. And he goes through this whole monologue. He goes, nothing you have done in your career matters. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. And he, he makes this point of saying that it doesn't matter what you've done before. We are the sharp end of the spear. And, that's why he sticks with Joe because that's where he wants to be because he knows that if you're on earth and you've gone through some special forces training, that means nothing anymore. And he uses this point very pivotally in another part of the book where um, Adams is excluded from training as, as one of the as team members because she's not special forces. And Smythe says bollocks, you know, mm. <laughs> she, she has more experience than any of you, 20 of you put together and gets a bunch of them. The guy says, get your best. And he gets his best. And she just mops the fourth. And he goes, experience counts more than any of your, whatever you want to call it. So Smythe through the books really looks at it as beating out the attitude out of all these people and getting down to the stakes are so much higher than than what you think they are. And his character has a really great arc and a growth where he starts off probably one of the best because he starts off just not believing in Joe and Skippy and by the end he is their greatest advocate. And I I really I think next to Joe and Skippy, you know, and, and deciding them, he's one of my favorite characters just because of his attitude. It even, he even puts it out even greater when he says to people that, oh, they're like, oh, this is going to be terrible. He goes, no, this is just Tuesday for the Mary <laughs> yeah, Pirates. This, I remember is, that. this is what we do on Tuesdays. We do the impossible on <laughs> Tuesdays. You know, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful way of, of discussing it. And I think when Craig wrote the character, I wonder where his inspiration came from because it's, you know, uh, Craig is writing additional books and so forth. And I thought, you know, not necessarily doing a precursor to, to Smythe, but it was just a great character. And I, I was a little disappointed he killed him off because he could have done something else with him, I think, mm -hmm. uh, later on down the road. And uh, so besides Skippy, Skippy is one of my favorite characters in the books just because the writing for him is so great. And the way that Skippy has also grown. I mean, Joe has grown as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think that Skippy and Smythe are sort of the arcs that I see the easiest in the books. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Skippy's character is kind of funny, though, because after you said what you said about uh, about Smythe, I see Skippy somewhat similar, similar, similar in a way that he, at the beginning of this whole adventure, this whole world... At the beginning of the book, let's say book one, he was arrogant. Like, just no doubt he's arrogant. He doesn't like humans. He doesn't like anything that has a pulse in it. He just doesn't like them. He sees them as beneath them. It's kind of funny, though, because when he introduced himself to Joe, he Joe asked him, what do I call you? The first thing he said, you can call me God. And he's like, no, I don't think so. I'll call you Skippy because you're an asshole. Simple as that. It was a simple exchange of of what he thinks about him in that moment and it skipped and after you fast forward to the few fast forward in a few books later oh no sorry in the same book sorry in the same book he the when he got back to earth the scientists asked him or asked joe why did you call him skippy joe um skippy literally says i use that name for one reason because he gave me a name not a number. He gave me. A, he's the first person, first, first human, not human being, but first bipedal, gave me a name and treated me as an equal. Right, and that kind of relationship between Skippy and Joe and his develop, Skippy's development going forward, changed so much that that he started, he started, uh, he started having emotional 
connection to some of the some of the characters or some of the crew members that he just that, likes being taught empathy. Yeah, he, he's like just disgusted <laughs> by it. empathy. Ugh. Yeah, so he he been he he even called himself the king of empathy, right? So he doesn't actually have one, but still, but he he started having that he's having that uh, that connection and and that kind of growth of a character. Doesn't matter what series, what book, what TV show, what movies that you watched. And character development from hated beer can to something that that you enjoy list, enjoy reading, and 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 growing with, and it's it's just fantastic because it's um, it comes to the point that it's it becomes a very pinnacle thing. Right, like if you if you even if you want to go all the way to the end of book fifteen, there was a lot of like Joe and Scapey just having conversations, just conversations about the future, conversation what I'm going to do next, all that stuff, and you see that growth of that kind of uh, relationship, right from the beginning all the way to the end, right. So it, it's it's just nice to see that in, in some of the characters and even some of the supporting characters. Was the same thing too. There's a lot of like growing from like one name person to this very very pinnacle character at the end, right? It's, it's nice to see that. It's nice uh, to see I, that. I agree. One of the other nice things about it is that we're talking about the Mary Band of Pirates, talking about these characters, but there are other characters that he introduces during the book uh, through other races that make. The reading very interesting. There's some Kristang that are very interesting. Uh, the 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 the, the Jirapta. and even though he mentions a lot of other races, not a lot of them get a lot of you know book time or or flushing out. Uh, and the way that he develops the the hierarchy of this is sort of in tiers, where um, the Rindalu and the uh, Max Alt are on top. And then below that, we have sort of the tier two guys who are like the Jirapta and uh, the Thoranin, you know, and the Bosphorok. And then below that is sort of another tier, which are sort of like the Kristang and the Ruhar and so forth. So there's these tiers. And of course, humans are on the bottom tier, or tier four or whatever, uh, down below all the rest of them. But the way he develops that universe and how it feels and the reasons that everybody is at war is because these two powerful races that have been around forever basically get everybody else below them to fight. And it was an interesting choice to writing choice to make that because it's not like there's one person controlling everything, even though the Ruhar, excuse me, the, the Rindalu have been around longer than the Maxolt. And so the relationship between those two species was interesting to flush out and to have conversations around. And you could, and the, the, the really interesting thing about Craig's writing is that you could make entire TV shows or movies around just that relationship or just the relationship of the development of the Ruhara and the Kristang's battles. And so there's entire other book series or other movies he could make. And you and I have talked about this. If we had the money and we had the resources, we would totally go to Craig Allenson and be like, let us do the movies and, and the TV shows. TV we shows, love, yeah. We would love to yeah. do that stuff. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We, we would love to do it right. I mean, because, uh, you know, a lot of times studios get a hold of these things and they just twist it into something that it isn't. And I really want to want the universe that he's created to be uh, twisted in a negative way because of the depth that he's he's put into it. Yeah, we're we're looking at currently there's 15 books. This book 16 is coming up, but if we get the rights, we literally have 15 seasons ready to go. That's how good this uh, storyline. But before we keep, before we give a final review in the uh, in this whole series before going to 16, I do want to talk about a couple of things. One of them is um, is the name of the Flying Dutchman. What do you think about the name of that ship? And what do you think the name of Valkyrie? I actually like both. 
Uh, I like the the Merry Band of Pirates. I thought that was very cutesy, very interesting. I like that it wasn't too serious. Although, I wonder if Craig Allenson is an opera fan because the, the 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 Dutchman and Valkyrie are sort of operas, and I don't know if he yeah. likes opera and if that's why he wrote it like that. Well, the Flying sure. Dutchman is based yeah. on a on a ship that got lost in sea, so it, it's it's almost like a like a. Like a uh, an, uh, maritime uh, fable that uh, if you see a sail that's floating around, that has to be the Flying Dutchman that's got lost in sea, right? So it, it's uh, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of fitting for the name of a ship. It's granted, it's a little, you don't name your ship the Flying Dutchman no matter what, but at the same time, naming naming that ship gives that perspective of like, yes, this is a ghost ship. It is what it is. It's a ghost ship. That it will attack whenever it's ready, and you don't know if I exist or not, right? I think I that's love the that. One. I love that he puts in there like everybody wants to name it the Enterprise, and he's like, "No, no, we're not naming it the Enterprise." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like I would have if, if that ever came up, I would have that exact conversation with somebody. No, I'm not naming it the Enterprise. I would I would fight against that. I think that's that was a good choice. Yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, and the name Valkyrie is definitely well. Typically, when you hear the Valkyrie name, it's usually it's an it's an opera. Right, and it's kind of funny because when when I read that line, uh, Valkyrie, the first thing in my head is like da 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 na na da 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 na na. So it's kind of like fitting. I'm like, oh, I see. Plus, it's I believe it's a Greek mythology as well, too, Greek or Roman. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. Greek mythology yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. There's so. a lot of of mythology around it, so I think he chose that very specifically. And considering that the ship itself is an extinction class vessel, you know, you know, you're you don't think too much of existence or life when you call your ships extinction classes. I mean, you're not yeah. really the, the cuddly kitties that, that, that yeah. you want, that they're supposed to look like. I don't really think of them as cuddly kitties there. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the, okay. You, like I mentioned before, book 16 is coming out. We're reviewing, we're reviewing the first three chapters next week. Right. But, Here's the thing. Book 15 came out, what, a year ago, roughly? And when we found out book 16 is coming out, I reread book 15. Okay. I'm going to give you two ways to answer. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two questions to answer. Actually, one question to answer, Derek. I'll give you my answer as well. But I just want to let you know that around chapter 3 of book 15, Joe made a comment about a talking dog. I'm not sure if you caught that, but there is uh uh a um uh there's a little hint in in chapter three, that he talked about a uh, he talked about a talking dog. You know, I don't remember that. I, yeah, I, 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 I do not remember that. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is but... there. So if you if you guys want to read book uh, book fifteen, chapter three, around chapter three, there's a, a literally a sentence talking him saying something about something next to you. Like, what do you think I am, talking dog? <laughs> so just give you give you give you a little bit of hint of that one. So, but the question I have is this though: What do you think? about book 15 overall like what do you think about it how it ended and all that good stuff because the reason why i'm asking you this is i'm going to ask you what's your prediction for book 16 well we already know that book 16 is not going to be a continuation of of the main storyline uh craig has said that publicly that this is he's taking the the series in a different direction i think he might try to tie up some plot points out of the main series of books but in general i believe that uh he's going to focus on uh either a prequel or a continuation with the giraptha which is which is great uh book 15 you know did bring the the elders into it and uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, I was I was hoping for some more uh, sort of clarity with with the elders because it felt like it was rushed a bit in, in book fifteen for me. Uh, I, I mean, I felt like the way Craig writes and the way he's written this book series is 
he takes time to get there and he takes time to develop stuff. And there wasn't a lot of time to develop the elders. I mean, he's built the elders up over 15 or 14 books. And then he finally introduces them and suddenly they're made relevant. And there's a lot of open-ended questions about, uh, about the series that uh, books that we just don't know. One of the main questions is the force field around the galaxy and the, the threat that specifically engages to have the elders build that network. We just don't know the answer to that, right? Yeah. Uh, and and that, that's sort of a big question that's hanging around. Whether the elders would come back in any capacity in future books is also another question that I have. W- what did you think? The first... 12 chapters of book 15 was great. But I agree. I felt like it was rushed. I think, and I'm quoting this. I'm quoting this from my wife. It's like, I ask her, so what do you think about book 15? First thing out of her mouth is like, it's a poo-poo book. It felt like it was rushed. She felt like it was it was great until it's literally like when you're watching a movie or watching a TV show, you're about to hit the climax, but next thing you need to go straight to commercial. This one, before the climax is supposed to hit, you get the commercial. This one, it hit, the book ended. felt like it was just a cliff that is just never ending falling. I, didn't, I think that's the best way to describe it. It felt like it was, it was a storyline that like has potential, but it literally hit the wall, and that was it. And I felt like I was, I was, I don't want to say raw, but I felt like it was a non, it was a. I'm having trouble uh, saying this properly. I felt like I was hit with a bat while being kicked in the ground. That's how I felt the book ended. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. <laughs> the, think, it, the reason I why think, I said <laughs> that, though, the reason why I said that, uh, same thing as you, it felt it was rushed. It felt like I was something's missing. And I'm hoping the book 16, 16, 17... I know there's two books plus another one that's I think is based on uh, um, one of the other characters. Uh, I'm hoping that will fix that because I felt like they, as you said I've been robbed of this potential storyline that's like has a has a really great arc because uh, in book 15, 14 and fifteen they they started talking about the about the origin story of the elders especially in book 15 book 15 chapter 1 and 2 they're talking about the history of it already but it felt like it was it was this history went up all the way up to like the first couple of chapters stayed there next thing you know it's just done it's like right? it's like encountering the borg in star trek it has to you know it's an epic thing every time it happens and so encountering the elders is something that I I would have liked to either have different stakes on. I mean, the stakes made in the book are the elders are going to come back and wipe you all out because they didn't intend to have intelligent life in the galaxy. Okay. But we deal with two different characters of elders that are there that Skippy basically fights against, which really Joe and the rest of them have nothing to do with. They, They don't really have an impact on the outcome. It's all Skippy. And the relationship, the the, the buildup over the books was that Skippy was like, I want to learn where I come from. I want to learn what's happening. I want to learn all these things. And uh, I think that that's what was missed. I think that was what was skipped over just to get to some epic battle, with which at the end, if he had spread it over a couple books and, and maybe, you know, given Skippy a little more growth time with dealing with the elders or meeting them finally or even though we understand that the elders have no respect for skippy he's just a tool but even that itself could have been pushed away and pushed out a little bit more into a little more detail in further books and uh, i understand that he's written so many of these books maybe he's sick of it and we know he's moved on to other other uh series to be written but he's come back to it now. And I think people value this series that he's written. I, I don't blame a person who's written for several years to say, I'm done with this. I'm done. But what I want is some satisfying way to wrap it up versus I'm just going to write one more book and get it done with. And if these next three books were going to be a continuation of that to sort of 
give the fans a nice fleshed out moment, great. But it doesn't sound, based on what we've heard, that these books will be that. It sounds like they're going to be standalone stories or expansions and other characters. And that's not necessarily what I was hoping for. Like, I have no problems with that. I really don't, especially if those characters flush out the unanswered questions we have on the series itself. Right. Um, but I do want to do, I do want to mention several things as well, too. If when I started reading the series around book three and book four, I started noticing in YouTube that um, people are making fan videos based on which characters should be played by which actors. Right. And I think they've been doing it. I think they, I, as far as I know, they did it two or three times regarding who's who should play Joe, who pl- should play Adams, who should play Jerome, who should play Desai, all that good stuff. And uh, and you, you said that there is a very big fan base with this series. Heck, you gave me a sticker and a patch. Of the Mary Band of Pirates, I'm still trying to figure yeah, out where Craig, I'm gonna put Craig that. Craig really has to bring back the stuff. Like, I want a, like I want like a model of the Dutchman, and I want a model of Valkyrie. I mean, you've got to get into this stuff. I, I want mean, the I Lego version hard. of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Lego version. But uh, of but yeah. there is a very good fan base in this series, and I can tell you right now, if there is there's a big fan. Like I, if there is a a pro- I'm hoping of like an HBO or Netflix style mo- uh, show coming out for this one. I'm hoping that uh, whoever is going to uh, do the screenplay in this one takes the the essence of the of the books and make it good. Don't destroy this. If you have a, a the same thing, if you look what happened to uh, Lord of the Rings when they made it a series in a, in an Amazon, they destroyed it. They destroyed it. Because they didn't follow the same feel or the same the 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 the, the soul of the book, right? And um, if any of the uh, big studios decide to make this a uh, a series, please don't screw it up. Because there's going to be a lot of people will be questioning the sanity of the of the productions uh, of the studios of putting this together. And well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's I'm gonna. It's funny. I keep on going back to the expanse. It's kind of funny because that I, I, I've read the books, I've watched TV series, and generally speaking, generally speaking, they kept to the books. It's not exact. It's not. They kind of melded a few characters together into one person and stuff like that. But the general premise of it was the same. I, I do have some objections. I thought the book did things a little different. I think they ran out of time near the end of the series. Um, but if you respect the books enough to go through the process of the timeline and choosing the actors, like for example, uh, as funny as it says, I think a lot of people could play Joe, but I think only the right people could play Sims and Smythe. You have to find the right people for those two characters, you know, oh, yeah. oh, uh, you yeah. know, decide was a very stern woman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and so, there's there's some casting choices that would be easier than others, and I agree. There's there's a lot of I, I think some of those uh, suggestions that people made were very valid suggestions, and I agreed with a lot of them. But I think what uh, my my suggestion to, to to Craig is just keep creative control over it. Don't <laughs> don't just sign it away. Just keep some you know some kind of creative control. Be like you know you have to can't mess it up or you know i don't know <laughs> yeah we just don't want to have the same experience that we had reading the book of ready player one and watching the movie and we just want to gouge our eyes out we just don't want that <laughs> well no just just the integrity of the writing and the benefit of the writing uh to go into and I, i'm sure that writers have a lot of pressure on them to conform to whatever a studio wants to inject their politics or whatever stuff they want to put into shows these days but you just got to stand firm man you gotta stand firm put it in the contract no it's the way i want it you know yeah that's, that's what you gotta do okay last question i have for you before we wrap this up would you recommend this book series to someone that is considered non sci-fi reader well that's an interesting question I think that I've read a bunch of sci-fi and I think the strength that Craig has is that he's written in a realistic way and he focuses a lot on intelligent writing. 
And when I say intelligent writing, I mean that he's put thought into it. And when he gets to a solution or a problem, it's a genuine problem with a genuine solution rather than a tropic writer who just puts something on paper just to get through the scene to move on to the next thing. And so there are people out there that would very much appreciate that. I personally appreciated his perspective from the military mindset. I like that. I can't say that I found another writer who has done that as well as Craig has. What I will say is that it's not everybody's cup of tea because in a lot of ways, people might find that slow and grinding if you don't appreciate the fact of the process that Joe goes through in order to get from a problem to a solution, which usually takes Craig several chapters to get through. And a lot of people are like, just get to the point because they just want the payoff. Whereas I like the problem. I like to try to figure out the solution and I want to know where it's going to go. So it's not for everybody. I won't, I won't deny that. What I will say is that the characters are engaging and the universe is vast. And as you go on from book to book, it just builds on each other and it makes it more open and it makes it more complicated. And a lot of writers just don't do that. They'll come up with a concept. They'll stick with it through several books and the universe won't expand. They'll just stay this little tiny circle. And that wasn't what Craig did. And I appreciated that. As you know, I, I think I mentioned this several times with you that I don't normally read sci-fi novels. Like I don't, I'm more like a mystery and, um, and thriller kind of guy. Like that's, I literally, that's all I read since like grade nine high school. Right, that's all I read. I don't read sci-fi. I don't read sci-fi books, but, and I can honestly, honestly say this to you: Expedition Force was my first sci-fi books I've read. Like I do not read sci-fi books, and the reason why I got caught reading this is, like I mentioned before, because of the synopsis of, of an uh, AI that's like shaped like a beer can that's an asshole. Right, and the comedy was there. The, the 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 anticipation was there, and for me to recommend this book or this series to a non to a non science fiction fan will be, of course, going to be a hard sell. But the, the biggest selling point in this whole world, this whole series, is the world and the character development, because if you don't have the world and the character development, you have a book. You don't have a novel. You just have a book. And I call this series a novel. Thank you for opening the book with us today. Subscribe so you won't miss our next episode. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email at yourbookmarksinfo at gmail.com. Join us again right here where you left off.